Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the podcast, talking about Richard Lovelace, who apparently is a bit of a better-known poet, although the name wasn't familiar to me. But what do I know about poetry? Absolutely nothing. I liked the bit when he said, When thirsty grief in wine we steep, when healths and droughts go free, fishes that tipple in the deep know no such liberty. I like that bit in Acoustic Eels. Hi, Acoustic Eels, good to see you again. Says, I thought to Althea with, uh, from prison was a lovely poem, and I agree, Ando, I liked that bit too. Any excuse to use the word tipple is good with me. It is a good word, and it is a word you don't get many excuses to use. I love when that happens, when you like get the chance to use a, a word that's a good word, but it's a very situational word. I think I also just liked that bit because he says fishes. <laughs> I don't know why that tickles my fancy, but fishes. Uh, anyway, Swim says the moment fishy says, I liked these poems, smiley faces. Richard Lovelace is mostly known nowadays for these lines. I could not love thee, dear, so much. Love, Loved I not honour more. And stone walls do not a prison make, nor iron bars a cage. Lovelace is another of the cavalier poets and was a royalist. He was born... The eldest son of a wealthy family, however, he sold his lands and spent his fortune on equipping Charles I's army. In 1944, he was thrown in jail. 44? After petitioning Parliament to restore the Charles I to the throne after his release. I think that date might be wrong, because I'm pretty sure this guy was around in the 1600s. 1644, I think, is what that's meant to be. <coughs> uh, excuse me. Uh, anyway, he was thrown in jail after petitioning Parliament to restore Charles I to the throne. After his release, he went to France to fight against Spain in the Franco-Spanish War. He returned to England after a few years and was again imprisoned, this time by the Puritans, who were battling against the Church of England. He died imprisoned in poverty at the age of 39. Tecrific says, The first poem suggests that doing anything worthwhile takes a toll, a sacrifice. In this particular case... It's the act of going to war and leaving a loved one behind. I generally agree that doing anything worthwhile has a cost, and it's up to the individuals involved to consider if the cost is worth it. I'm just not sure that fighting a war just for the honour of it is the right motive. To defend your family, friends and the nation is a more convincing motive. What do you guys think? Uh, I think that um, there's a comfort to knowing that you've got kind of a plausible morality in that decision, regardless, you know. Um, like honour. Honour is honourable, <laughs> right? Honour is honourable, and you can just kind of lay back on that. Uh, and it takes the pressure off you from having to figure out what good you can be in this world um, when you can just kind of do the honourable thing. So I think that there was a comfort in knowing your place and knowing your role when you were part of the part of a war effort. Maybe, you know, maybe not. Um, but good to see everyone back. Everyone being, you know, three people. <laughs> Tech Refix, good to see you. Swim, always a pleasure. Acoustic Eels, good to see you too. Um, we're, we're cruising through this poetry, guys. And I know we're all kind of keen to start a novel, reading a novel, and we will. 
but uh, it's poems for now. Okay. Poems for now? Now, speaking of poems, Abraham Cowley is today's poet, born 1618, died 1667. And um, there's quite a few poems by this gent. One, two, three, four, five. First one is called Drinking. Let's have another party poem, maybe. Let's see. The thirsty earth soaks up the rain and drinks and gapes for drink again. The plants suck in the earth and are, with constant drinking fresh and fair, the sea itself, which one would think should have but little need of drink, drinks twice ten thousand rivers up, so filled that they overflow the cup. The busy sun... And one would guess, by drunken, fiery face no less, drinks up the sea, and when he's done, the moon and stars drink up the sun. They drink and dance by their own light, they drink and revel all the night. Nothing in nature's sober found, but an eternal health goes round. Fill up the bowl, then fill it high, fill all the glasses there, for why should every creature drink but I? Why, man of morals, tell me why? Poem number two is called The Epicure. Underneath this myrtle shade on flowery beds, supinely laid, with odorous oils my head overflowing, and around its roses growing, what should I do but drink away the heat and troubles of the day? In this more than kingly state, love himself on me shall wait, fill to me love, nay, fill it up and mingled cast into the cup, wit and mirth and noble fires, vigorous health and gay desires, the wheel of life, no less will stay in a smooth and rugged way, since it equally doth flee. Let the motion pleasant be. Why do we precious ointments shower? Nobler wines, why do we pour? Beauteous flowers, why do we spread upon the monuments of the dead? Nothing they but dust can show, all bones that hasten to be so. Crown me with roses while I live, now your wines and ointments give. After death I nothing crave, that me alive... My pleasures have all our stoics in the grave. The Swallow Number three Foolish pratter, what dost thou so early at my window do? Cruel bird, thou hast taken away a dream out of my arms today, a dream that never must equalled be by all that waking eyes may see, thou this damage to repair, nothing half so sweet and fair, nothing half so good canst bring. Thou men say thou bringest the spring. On the death of Mr. William Harvey, it was a dismal and a fearful night. Scarce could the morn drive on the unwilling light when sleep death's image left my troubled breast by something like death, by something like a death possessed. My eyes with tears did uncommanded flow, and on my soul hung the dull, dull weight. Of some intolerable fate. What bell was that? Ah, me, too much I know. My sweet companion and my gentle peer, Why hast thou left me thus kindly here? Thy end forever and my life to moan. Oh, thou hast left me alone. Thy soul and body, when death's agony Besieged around thy noble heart, Did not with more reluctance part Than I, my dearest friend, do part from thee. My dearest friend, who would I had died for thee? Life and this world henceforth will tedious be. 
Nor shall I know hereafter what to do, if once my griefs prove tedious too. Silent and sad I walk about all day, as sullen ghosts stalk speechless by, where their hid treasures lie. Alas, my treasure's gone, why do I stay? Say for you saw us, ye immortal lights, how oft unwearied have we spent the nights, till the Ladean stars, so famed for love, wandered at us from above, we spent them not in toys, in lusts or wine, but search of deep philosophy, wit, eloquence and poetry, arts which I loved, for they, my friend, were thine. Yea, fields of Cambridge, our dear Cambridge, say, have, have ye not seen us walking every day? Was there a tree about which do not know? The love betwixt us too. Henceforth, ye gentle trees, forever fade, or your sad branches, thicker, join, and into darksome shades combine, Dark as the grave wherein my friend is laid. Large was his soul, as large as a soul as ever. Submitted to inform a body there, here. High as the place was shortly in heaven to have, But low and humble as his grave. So high that all the virtues there did come, As to their chiefest seat, conspicuous and great, So low that for me too it made a room. Knowledge he only sought, and so soon caught, as if for him knowledge had rather sought, nor did more learning ever crowded lie in such a short mortality, whenever the skilful youth discouraged or writ, still did the notions throng about his eloquent tongue, nor could his ink flow faster than his wit. His mirth was the pure spirits of various wit, yet never did his god or friends forget, and when deep talk and wisdom came in view, retired and gave to them their due, for the rich help of books he always took, though his own searching mind before was so with notions written over, as if wise nature had made that her book. With as much zeal, devotion, piety, he always lived as other saints do die, still with his soul severe account he kept, weeping all debts, out here he slept, then down in peace and innocence he lay, like the sun's laborious light, which still in water sets at night, unsullied with his journey of the day, but happy thou, taken from this frantic age, where ignorance and hypocrisy does rage, a fitter time for heaven no soul ever chose, the place now only free from those, there among the blessed thou dost for ever shine, and wheresoever thou casts thy view upon that white and radiant crew, seest not a soul clothed, with their more light than thine. Last one is called The Wish. Well then, I now do plainly see this busy world, and I shall never agree. The very honey of all earthly joy does of all meats the soonest cloy, and they methinks deserves my pity. Who for it can endure the strings, the crowd, and the buzz and murmurings of this great hive of the city? Ah, yet ere I descend to the grave, may I a small house and a large garden have, and a few friends, and many books, both true but wise, and both delightful too. And since love never will from me flee, a mistress moderately fair, and a good as guardian angels are, only beloved and loving me. O fountains, when in you shall I, myself eased of unpeaceful thoughts, aspire, O fields, O woods, when shall I be made the happier tenant of your shade? Here's the spring-head of pleasure's flood, here's wealthy nature's treasury, where all the riches lie that she has coined and stamped for good. 
Pride and ambition here only in far-fetched metaphors appear. Here naught but winds can hurt, full murmurs scatter, and naught but echo flatter. The gods, when they descend hither from heaven, did always choose their way, and therefore we may boldly say that tis the way to thither. How happy here should I, and one dear she live, and embracing die. She who is all the world and can exclude, in desert solitude I should have then this only fear, lest men, when they my pleasures see, should hither throng to live like me, and so make a city here. Abraham Cowley Foyer. All right, folks, thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.